0: When you jump in like this, it's like, it's either it's going to work or it's going to work. Welcome back to All In. I'm Rick Jordan, your host. My guest today, get ready for this. Joshua Fletcher Marsh. What's up, buddy?
1: I'm living someone's dream, my friend, coming to you hot and heavy from uh, Garage in British Columbia, Canada.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hot and heavy. I was just in BC last week, and I was driving around, because we're going to talk a lot about cannabis today, and I was driving around with an investor who's now a new friend, and he's showing me all the, the cannabis stores that exist. You know, the, the mm-hmm. storefronts in B.C. And he starts telling me, he's like, yeah, a lot of them, you know, they're getting pressure now, but they realize that they can't find the stores themselves. So now they're starting to B.C. or Vancouver specifically is now starting to try to find the landlords, the actual property owners for this. And it just yes. seems like a really hostile marketplace right now for cannabis in B.C
1: it It very much is. I mean, I think that even though we're roughly two years into what uh, you know would be the initial legalization or end of prohibition of cannabis in Canada doesn't mean that the colloquial infrastructure of banks or big business, uh, are ready for that yet. So uh, it's it's still viewed as kind of a pariah motif, shall we say.
0: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And then I start thinking, it's like, who's got, you know, I, I look, cause I'm in the US, right? And you always ask the question, who's got something to gain out of this kind of pressure, you know, or, or what's their agenda. Amazing. And, you know, I, I start thinking, I look around, cause the same thing in the US, you know, except we have 50 states, you have provinces or territories, and each one has their own set of rules, so to speak. Or how they're going (laughs) to deal with this. It's similar in that nature, I know. And then you look in the States in some places, same thing, you know, the banks and everything else, but other places, I know Florida, for example, Florida, because of the demographic and the age is a big opioid community because uh, it's (laughs) generally a higher age and pain relief, you know, legitimate uses for the opioids, but it's big pharma, right? And yeah. those are the ones that are keeping that state from, you know, it's legal medically now in, in the state of Florida, but not recreationally. And it's because of big pharma keeps lobbying against that. You know, what, what's your thoughts on big pharma and this whole cannabis industry?
1: Well, I mean, in terms of big pharma, I think the basic, basic statement to make about big pharma is, is they're threatened by cannabis. Why are they threatened by cannabis? Well. Over 80% of any general population, regardless of where you're from, has a use for daily cannabinoids, whether we're talking something that's psychoactive based out of THC or something that's CBD based. Um, there's a lot of healthier things out there in this new world of kind of more plant based medicine that can actually replace a lot of their big money makers, which, like you said, opioids and other things like that. I mean, myself, I'm a neuropathic pain patient. Um, And so I think that's definitely a big part of it is, I mean, Big Pharma is sort of threatened by it. A lot of the main companies in Canada are the super rich, uh, you know, and they were the ones who could afford to get into the game, quote unquote, where a majority of the people in Canada who are the growers that you want to be sourcing things from, the people who dedicated their lives to figuring out how it works and, and have a passion for it. Uh, have been priced out right so i think big pharma is scared and uh big big business has wanted to control a monopoly on uh but if you look at the track record the last two years almost every major corporation in canada has been registering losses the likes of which no one's ever seen
0: (laughs) (laughs) why doesn't big pharma just jump in on this bandwagon you know to the point to where it's just yeah i want to try to get on this too and i want to make money
1: yeah, I, I I think at the end of the day, um, it's, it's a developing thing. I mean, if you look at the prohibition of alcohol, right? I mean, it took 10 to 15 years to basically figure that one out. It took us a while to figure that one out. And I mean, cannabis in terms of its space is very much the same thing. I mean, we're still just in the sort of early days of figuring out legislatures and the way to make an inclusive industry. Um, I look at it like beer. You know, there's always going to be a Molson. There's always going to be a Labatt. There's always going to be a big company. Um, But then look at the craft explosion as well. Um, I think there's enough marketplace to go around for anyone. I think they're just sort of coming to terms with the fact also that most of these big companies where they have capital, they don't have genetics. They don't have the understanding of really how to bring things to market. With an established industry, they, they neglected to take a look at how the industry itself, even if it was a gray zone or black zone thing before legalization, and how it functioned. So they, they, they basically decided to try to rewrite the rule book. They're like, well, this is just how it's going to work now, and people will jump on board, uh, which was a huge error in terms of their calculations on that.
0: So- <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Man. That's interesting. You're talking about the the similarities between the craft beer market and the cannabis industry, you know. And I know you, you say that you're the little guy in the industry yeah. too, you know. But it seems like you're making some waves. How, how are you doing that? How are you and your team making waves, still being the the quote unquote little guy?
1: How did we do this? I mean, well, at the end of the day, uh, everything kind of started, and it's kind of been a domino effect. I've been kind of figuring things out as we went. Uh, Originally, when we started kind of what I call Potspots Growers on YouTube, and that's where it all started, really. Um, I didn't start the YouTube with the dreams of creating it into a business. I mean, I'm not sure I toyed around with the ideas since I was a kid. But, um, you know, originally I started that sort of media content to just sort of make information more accessible. And this information generation, there's so much stuff on the Internet now of misinformation. And there's a lot of people at home who, who would like to either do it for rec or do it for medicinal. Um, and trying to produce their own stuff. And it was almost impossible for me back in the day as a kid to teach myself how this stuff works. And a lot of trial error was a big part of how I did it. Uh, I failed a lot early on uh, to learn the ways of the the cannabis force, shall we say. Um, But uh, there's even more misinformation now. So I kind of started that, and then it kind of developed from there. Um, And I saw YouTube brands and media brands around the world and the way they were approaching an industry, I had a big issue with them. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, I've always been blunt, transparent, and you know, I've been a guy, quote unquote, swearing at the internet, having his beer, and being honest about what my t- humble two cents are. That's one of the biggest sort of turns of phrase from our shows. Or well, I mean, my humble two cents. <laughs> I personally I love feel this. And people relate to that, so I think where we're bringing the storm or bringing the ruckus, quote unquote, is that um, the the people are resonating with the way we view things and and the way we call it as it is, Uh, and we're not really afraid of lashback from the big people, right? So I would say just sort of a dedication to 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 speaking the truth in terms of how I see it, Um, and not compromising uh, anything about my viewpoints. I mean, that's why we don't have any corporate sponsorships either. And that's why we started doing our own stuff. I mean, I was like, I'm not gonna bow down to anybody there. So um, I'll do my own lighting brand or I'll do my own line or this or that, because at the end of the day, um, you know, there's certain ways to do things and there's certain ways to not do things. And uh, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I guess I was blessed with, with, a, with thoughts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. On the flip side of that, you've got the big corporations that you're talking about, you know, and mm-hmm. you didn't take on corporate sponsors. You know, I can almost see, I'm curious how you think about this. Sometimes having the big corporations involved almost validates a specific industry. You know, if if it's something new or something like that, because it's like, oh, these guys jumped on board, you know, the, from a public perception point of view, you know, is there something that you see to where there's a benefit of big corporations getting involved or should this stay small? Well, for- you know,
1: a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, and that's sort of since day one, I've never had an issue with big corporate being part of it. I've, I've never been against it per se. I mean, maybe there's specific lighting brands or specific companies that I wouldn't want to work with, but it's not that I'm against big corporate. I mean, that's where we're at right now is finding the right part and right, the right partnerships yeah. uh, where they see things the way that we do. So basically, as long as you're willing to get behind the brand of you know, people empowerment, uh, we don't need to gouge people on pricing on things. We can make our money by providing a true service to people and, and, and becoming that trusted brand of people. As long as your corporation can kind of dance with that, then heck, let's go to the dance, you know? Like, I mean, let's have a good time. Um, and so I, I definitely think there's a very much a place for it. I mean, it's just uh, finding the right ones who can uh, jive with my... Uh, eccentric
0: nature show. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are those certain perceptions, right? You know, I'm fortunate being in cybersecurity and my company going public, I have a board, and that was always a concern of mine too, you know, because going from a private organization to a public organization, it will be big corporate. I will be running a big corporation and bringing the people on board that it, it was key, like you said, finding the right partners, and anytime you want to expand those who can still allow you to be you and actually value who you are and what you bring to the table. Of course, I don't know all the answers, you know, so it's not, oh, like, yeah. uh, it's not like I'm going to be selling out per se. You know, I found the right partners to jump on board with this thing and the right people to look up to in a mentorship role that are now on my board so that they can guide me. But at the same time, most of them are like, Hey, if I don't have like a moral or ethical gut check, we're still voting Rick all the time because we believe in you. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's awesome that way rather than finding people that, you know, not all money is good money, you know, <laughs> when it comes I to that, so, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, my man. So uh, I love your thought process in this, you know, and I think I'm starting to hear a lot of the motivation betwi- behind your group, you know, and what's yeah. the, what's the end game or when you got into this, you know, what did you think you wanted to do, you know, at that point and where did it morph into now?
1: Uh, originally, um, you know, I, I didn't think anyone would tune in, to be fair. Um, you know, it's my, my production value is something that I'm still learning to try to make it a little prettier, necessarily, for a media brand. Uh, I, I'm more of an in front of the camera kind of guy being an actor, writer, comedian as well by trade. And uh, so we were always kind of grassroots with that. And I, so I figured, hey, you know, I got a cell phone. I've got uh, a few things I put into my brain. Um, I'm going to provide uh, an alternative place for me to share at least my take on things, um, in terms of the space. And if people tune in great. And if people don't, they don't. Um, and then it was slow going at first, you know what I mean? But then all of a sudden one morning I woke up and there was people there and I was like, Oh man. (laughs) And so originally, you know, my thoughts were when the first legalization happened was I would start a craft Uh, set up, and I would just go do that. I would be the quote-unquote pot farmer boy, and that would be good to go, and we'll do it that way, and it would be good to go. But I got priced out of that market. I mean, I didn't have the financial clout to meet the uh, extremely expensive uh, bureaucracy and red tape of Health Canada. So I had to shift gears, because either everything I've been working towards is now gone, or I can find an alternative way forward, which is what led us to building the international community. Um, You know, everything I do in terms of teaching people is all free. I don't charge people money for that. Um, I do a lot of uh, donations of my time to to different people around the world and and try to help that way. But that's what led to eventually starting our lighting brand. It was something I'd been toying around with. Then I had a run-in with a very large company (laughs) and publicly told them what I thought about them. And uh, it was kind of the kick in the pants to to get things going. And then I found the right partner in a small company out of California who was by and large, their name is Soul Script. And uh, big shout out to Brett out there. Uh thank you for all that you do, buddy. Uh we I originally called him and I just wanted to get the parts that he sell. I was, you know, he had really good scripts and he had really good quality built stuff. But very quickly, no pun intended, we saw that we saw things in a similar light. Uh we decided to kind of co-brand and work together. Um, That's kind of what led to that initial thing. Um, And that's when I started to realize that, like, this is something that's happening here, even though we're going an alternative route, even though it's not necessarily what I had envisioned ever once in my lifetime how this will go. Um, And I realized that we can achieve things if we just work our deaths off and keep going, uh, which is what led to the CBD line that we launched. Right now, I'm in the process of actually selling my current house to uh, Markets Hot right now, where I live. So I'm going to go into a bigger mortgage, buy a property where I actually have land to build a facility in the backyard and and take that craft reality, which we had to put on the back burner years ago, to reality now. And we're also going to be launching genetics and making genetics affordable. Um, That's been our basic mantra with everything we've done going forward was just people are dodging people. It doesn't cost this much to bring technology to, to, to markup. It doesn't cost this much to make genetics or to sell genetics. It doesn't Let's pass that on to people, right? And uh, that's kind of been our motif going forward. And it's just kind of been one random happenstance and being creative, leading to the next hurdle. And kind of as you're jumping over that hurdle, you may not even know where you're going to land yet. You just kind of decide like, oh, right, that looks like table brand. Let's do that. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's been this recurring theme these past couple of days and everybody that I've talked to is that's the case. It's like you, you can never you can't see three steps in front of you. You know, and when you can't, that's oh, yeah. usually that's yeah. usually a good thing, right? You just mm-hmm. jump in and then it's right there for you. Everything you've been waiting yeah. for, it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a little creativity, a little tenacity. And I mean, hold on to your core values that kind of started you on your journey. And uh, if you can stay true to that and, uh, you know, if there's going to be hard days. There's going to be days where you feel like you want to smack yourself over the head. And uh, there's going to be other times where uh, you feel really positive, about a success you may have, um, you know, and it's about, uh, uh, you know, keep on stroking and keep on going and, uh, you know, have faith in, in the mission and eventually you'll figure it out. So
0: <laughs> Eventually, for sure. It always happens. It always just presents itself at some point when you don't expect it. Uh, I'm sure, it, especially with this industry, you know, uh, your, your show, Pot Squatch Growers, has this not helped people, you know, who are feeling alone? and everything in this world, you know, I love your approach to this.
1: You know, and I think that was one of the unforeseen things that has come out of our show. Uh, cause originally I started it just wanting to help people learn. Um, I, like I said, I am an actor and a comedian and I, I do a lot of weird voices, but, uh, um, that basically the character of the pot that I do on the show is essentially a toned down version of who I really am in day to day life. I mean, there's nothing new or made up about that. Uh, and I, Sort of after a while, we're getting thousands of emails from people around the world just saying, like, I, you know, sharing their personal stories and, uh, you know, people struggling with PTSD or, or chronic depression, um, or for example, this guy and his mother, she was on her deathbed with stage four cancer, but their favorite time of the week was, they sit down and watch my show. And, and I'm sitting here going, like, in my mind, I'm just this bald and bearded idiot in Canada living in the woods um, you know, showing up and saying what I think. And, uh, but bringing sort of my natural view of humor to things or making it this or that. And I mean, a lot of people just shed sort of, uh, shared this appreciation, right. That I didn't see coming. It was one of the most humbling experiences ever, just valuing what we do and saying, thank you for making my world a brighter place and bringing laughter into it. And I'm like, Whoa, like, like, and some of these people are going through a lot. Like, I mean, it was some of these emails were heartbreaking to read. And I mean, I kind of wish, you know, I was maybe 20 years down the road and I have the uh, global brand even more established and I have, you know, excess money to where I could have helped a bit more. Right. But at least I was able to bring laughter into it, um, you know, and on the darkest day, sometimes that smile or that laugh is what gets you through. right? And so um, I didn't realize that's what we were doing. I didn't realize that that's what we were becoming to many. but. When they shared it, it was very moving, very humbling, and uh, it kind of gave me uh, kind of more inspiration to keep going with what we do. Like, okay, so if we're valued by the people in this way, well, then let's get into these different branches of business and let's uh, let's approach it with the same tenacity, the same mindset, um, and that's how you're going to make a winning global brand. Because uh, you know, people the world over, regardless of your culture, regardless of your ethnicity or orientation or your religion i mean the human race likes cannabis most of us involved in the love it. and it's something that regardless of all these differences of opinion we can still relate out it and kind of begin to build this community in a happy space and a dialogue and uh, so I said, heck, you know, let's go for it. Let's throw our hat in the ring and just uh, let's see what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. There's so, I mean, any kind of business, it doesn't matter if it's in like a controversial industry or not. You know, so I mean, even more so, I mean, you've got the balls, man, and you just jumped into it. That's awesome. You know, so many will just stop right at the point. You know, they'll figure, hey, I tried 17 times when it's just that 18th time. Then that's all that would take yeah, in order for things to break open, you know, or it just takes, you know, what screw everything that I've heard, screw everybody that's telling me you shouldn't do that, or can't you be happy where you're at right now, or there's no mm-hmm. way this is going to work. When you jump in like this, it's like it's either it's going to work or it's going to work. There's, there's, no, there's, oh, no exactly. other there's
1: no other option. Well, that's the way I look at it, too, right? Like, I mean, uh, to quote uh, the rebel part of me, you know, growing up, I was always, uh, you know, I'm the son of two priests, right? Uh, I was the actor, writer. Uh, black sheep son of the family. I'm the eldest. I, I'm, you know, and, uh,
0: welcome to the club, buddy. What the rules say, right? Like <laughs> yeah. rules are made
1: to be broken. And just because industry says, like if, if one of my competitors, right? Like, I mean, they say, oh, well, things should cost this much, or we should do things this way, or this is the value. Oh, you can't do that. because That's not how the industry works. Well, I say, you're going to have to kill me to stop me because I don't agree with it. I'm going to do it my way. And whether you like it or not, tough cookies. And then just smile and laugh.
0: <laughs> isn't it fun to make people speechless
1: sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, that's probably been one of the personal enjoyments for me. Is just like I won't lie to you, I, I do love pissing off the big companies that are my competitors, and uh, you know they try to bring us down. It's funny that you work in cybersecurity when we launched our new updated lights. Uh, we basically went from 28 failure points down to eight or nine. Awesome. Stepped up our chips game on our lights. We just, we and we redesigned them. So everything was uniform. It was fixable. Like all of our tech, we designed to be fixable. Like I'll sell you a replacement part. It can be maintained. It can be upgraded, uh, which none of the other companies do that. They're like, well, once it breaks, you got to buy another one. Well, yeah, hey, I don't care if that's how consumerism works. I'm not going to do it that way. And uh, so they hacked our website. It was a low-level hack where they just redirected our domain portal pathway. And so, yes, do we have to go rebuild and, and do a more secure thing on WordPress, which is what we did, of course. And that was frustrating. But I mean, at the end of the day, that was almost validation for me. Like we're doing something so well that these people are that threatened by us.
0: Right on. When you're doing yeah. something hard, it's worth it. When you've yeah. got haters, so you know you're doing it right.
1: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly have a few of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good, good. It makes life so much more fun, doesn't it?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I did grow up watching George Carlin a lot, right? And Robin Williams. So for me, you know, I, it makes sense. <laughs> yep. I
0: feel you. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So your CBD line, you know, where is that and where, where can you find your product in the U.S.? Because you're in...
1: Uh, well- Basically, right now, we're just on on online uh, uh, payment portal, for, or not payment portal, purchase portal, I guess I should say. Forgive my non-knowing the computer lingo things. It's not my strong suit. But uh, so right now, we are available on the internet. Uh, going forward to the new year, we're actually, I was just talking to my business partner at Bosco's Holdings, uh, my friend Blake. Hi, Blake. Shout out to you, Blake. Um, and... We've decided to kind of aggressively build a new sales team. We're going to be going after retail locations in all legal states and start sort of in the next number of weeks trying to get it out there and getting it, get it into stores. Um, because, you know, with our CBD line, I kind of said to my, my friend Blake there, and I said, man, like, we have to make this affordable. Because, like, if you look at similar products to what we're bringing to market, right now they're charging locally, you know, 80 to $120 for this. And the way I look at it is what good is medicine people can't afford? Yeah, yeah. And, it's kind of like, this will help you so much, but you cannot afford it. At <laughs> least you will to tell your channel or your home. And then Channeling you be there some Robin
0: you Williams. Know. I think I heard some oh, Billy yeah. Madison in there too. In, in the well, there's a lot years. of different things <laughs> in my
1: head. you know. And, and, and so I said to Blake, I was like, man, if you're down with making this successful, like, I mean, if we agree that, you know, hey, let's make maybe a smaller percentage of profit per singular unit with the end goal of, of, of actually winning over the market by serving the people. And if you guys can jive with that, I say, let's go for it. And Blake, since day one has always been like, dude, I, I love it, I, I agree with you. Uh, let's go for it. And uh, so that's kind of what we're, we're doing now. We're gonna be rolling out new products every two to three months. Our next product uh, we're gonna be launching is our CBD gummy line. And uh, because at the end of the day, I I I I I I obviously I'm a, I'm a little corporation I'm not against making money but at the same time I think we can also as companies help to empower people give back to people and provide a realistic service regardless of what colloquial standards of industry are uh how do standards change how does uh, development and evolution happen in any industry well some people come along and say you know to quote uh, uh the old rock song we're not going to take it you know what i mean and we'll change the way it works and uh so right now, it's just online strictly, uh, but we will be hopefully in the next coming months available on a bunch of retail locations. That's one of the things we're looking into um, is to find the right, you know, uh, whether it's brick and mortar chain stores or singular mom and pop operations or people who also have their own uh, online um, stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy to do I'm happy to do business with anybody as long as you're good people and you don't mind um, you know, honoring the MSRP that we, we wish to be brought to market just because it's, it's been done purposely for the people. There's still enough money for us all to make out of then, then, you know, Hey, I'm happy to do business with any of it. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's
0: really cool. So we we've talked about Potsquatch, you know, dude, where did that name come from? <laughs> that...
1: This is a funny story. <laughs> Good. So all right, so Sorry time with Uncle Pot Squatch, everyone. Let's go back in time. Uh, when I got my first medical pot permits, okay, so Canada, we've had, uh, there's the ACMPR system now, which is how medical cannabis licensing works uh, for personal production. Before that system, there was the MMARP program. That was the first license I held many moons ago. Before I could get my doctor to sign off on my application form because back then there was four different forms, one of which was your doctor had to fill out. Now there's only two. It's simplified. We went from 48 pages down to like four, which is good. But uh, they put me through a lot of medical testing, <laughs> so I began to uh, find out that I am not genetically the standard human being. I've got a 34 and a half size jaw, which is strange. Neanderthals had a 34. Um, my skull's way thicker than it should be. Uh, like as a joke, I, I put my picture into one of those Neanderthal, like it will convert your face into a Neanderthal. Oh, Lord. <laughs> my picture popped out the same as it went in,
0: which was strange.
1: Um, you know, and so, and, and so long story short, I just sort of like, I've got higher bone density than I should, but I don't, but I'm not, my bones aren't brittle. Right. So I was telling my buddies on a camping trip years ago, um, about these weird medical things about myself that I was finding out because my doctor wouldn't sign unless I did all these tests. And so I, you know, we were having beers around the campfire out in the woods, as Canadians do, and, and I made the joke to him, like, "Well, my grandmother must have slept with a with a Sasquatch," and that then led to me getting this nickname, Sasquatch. So people have been calling me Sasquatch for well over a decade now. And when I was starting the brand and the channel years ago, I was like, "Well, heck, you know, what will I call myself? I mean, well, everybody calls you Sasquatch, so maybe let's work with that. That's something that's you know something you know. Okay, well, uh, we." Weed squatch, that's down silly. Cannabis squatch, well, that has horrible flow to it. And then eventually I went pot squatch. Oh oh oh, 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 that sounds fun. And then I was like, well, what do we do on the channel? What are we talking about? Well, we're growing, we're growers, so pot squatch growers. And then, yeah, so that's kind of just sort of how it happened. But it all comes from the Canadian healthcare system and, and uh, trying to get my first license. And my doctor would not sign unless I, you know, became a guinea pig for a while.
0: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> that guy had some ulterior motives, maybe. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe my genetics are on some uh, government laboratory list somewhere in secret. I don't know.
0: <laughs> exactly. No joke. That's, that's, that's sort of what I was thinking. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Along those lines. Yeah. So what's next, yeah. my man? I mean, where do things go from here? Where do you see the market going from here as a whole? Because you see the slow adoption that it's okay. And it's not freakish and it's not something that is, you know, to be feared or anything like that. You know, we're the next five years for this industry.
1: Well, the industry in general, I think one of the biggest unforeseen booms of, I mean, I've been aware of it the whole time, but I mean, that a lot of people don't seem to get is like a lot of big companies are like, well, we'll just produce cannabis and people will buy it. That's kind of where their sites have been. That's not true. Uh, I think probably one of the biggest unforeseen explosions a lot of people aren't aware of is the grow your own movement, which is producing your own plants at home. Like in Canada now under legalization, every household's allowed four plants. It's not a lot, but you'd be surprised what you can produce with four plants if you know a few tracks. And um, that is where I really do foresee a huge explosion in the industry as both well uh both on the tech side as well as the knowledge based side. Um, Anything associated with at-home growing, well, that's going to be a huge – because more and more people by the day, like you said, are kind of becoming more comfortable with it. They're more open to it. They're like, oh, this is a thing where I'm not a bad boy. or will go anymore doing this. I get the okay now. Um, and maybe they secretly, even though they were super anti-pot their whole life. A lot of my students are that way. They spent their whole lives ridiculing it, being against it. Many are police officers or SWAT team members or military members who are retired now who Spent their lives being super against it, but now they're like, "Oh wait, <laughs> this is okay now." And so that's going to be a big evolution there, I think. In Canada, at least, um, you know, we'll see how the legalization in the states goes. That's the big thing to watch out for. The states is how will legalization on a federal level be rolled out there? Dear America, from Canada, don't do what we did. We screwed it up. <laughs> it didn't create a healthy industry. It's led to hundreds of millions of dollars being lost by many. Um, I, I, do believe that we will eventually find ourselves into something very similar to beer. There will be Molson's, there will be Labatt's, but there will be this huge craft element. Craft cannabis is what the consumer wants. Nobody wants a big farm produced thing that's been sitting there for a year, uh, that's been sprayed with chemicals and irradiated. They don't want that. That's not what they fell in love with cannabis in the first place from. It was sort of more mom and pop craft style growing, a smaller production, more boutique style. Um, and that's really what people want. And the fact is, is just because something's boutique in this industry doesn't mean your cost of production is overly high. Um, especially when you start incorporating new technologies like light emitting diodes and, and green friendly tech in terms of your setups, which has always been my uh, secret nerd passion. Um, you know, that's going to be a big thing right now. Missing from the space, I think, is genetics. Um, most genetic producers in the world uh, are gray zone. Um, last 15 to 20 years, most breeders out there have not been properly taking the time to breed the right strains and do things. So like, uh, there's a, there's a mute, uh, a stress-based, uh, mutation that happens called a foxtail, for example. So here's your butt, like let's picture it like that. And normally it looks like this, but then sometimes you'll get these weird tails kind of looking like stacks coming off the tops all the time. Like when I was a kid growing, you would rarely see a foxtail on something, which is a, it's a stress-based trigger within the plant's genetics. Um, genetics foxtail all the time now, right? So for my personal plan for the next five years is that's one of the things um, why I'm selling this house and buying a new place uh, is so that I have the space where with the right uh, private investors working with me, we're still looking for some of those for those of you out there listening at home. Um, to build this facility and start creating these genetics. And so I'm kind of writing off the last 20 years. I'm going to go back to old school genetics. We have a huge genetic treasure trove of things that, you know, me and a few of my members uh, working with me on this um, have collected over the last number of decades. And uh, we're going to kind of try to rebuild new strains, but from the old genetic sources using modern day approaches and doing it properly. Um, so, uh, That's our personal next five years is that and the craft and then genetics. Um, I think in terms of the world for the next five years, I think we're going to see a huge explosion around the world of acceptance of this. This will one day be a normal industry. It will be no different than than cheese. It will be no different than fine wine or any form of true artisanship, high-end boutique product. That doesn't mean there's not a huge place in the market for people who will buy the Labatt's or the Molson's version of weed, right? But um, most consumers, they want that sort of special extra, right? So I think we'll see a, a competitive, inclusive market, or at least I hope we will, where all players will be allowed in. Um, you know, And that's one of the things, like, for example, our little company, I mean... Um, the large companies have no interest in developing genetics. They have no interest in selling seeds. I know that because I talk to them regularly these days. Uh, what they want, though, is they, want, they do want people who know what they're doing. They do want people who are developing these things. So it will become more of a tissue culture uh, motif for the big companies, right? Like, think of Big golf, right? A Big Mac has to taste the same in America as it does in China, it has to taste the same in Canada as it does in Europe. Um, that's what these big companies are craving. Uh, so, I think tissue culture for the big companies is going to be a big thing. So, you know, word out to you, uh, smaller growers out there who may be listening, developing those, uh, you know, eccentric strains that are special and you took the time to do right, there will be a very big business to licensing out those to the larger companies. Um, which will then, you know, help your smaller company have a revenue stream coming in from these large companies to then kind of be developing the next generation, the next, this, the next XYZ, et cetera. And that's the right, yeah. <laughs> yes, and right.
0: that's the right business move for the small growers too, isn't it? Licensing their intellectual oh, property. Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with working with the big people. A lot of people think I'm just sort of some, you know, screw the big companies. No, I mean, screw the big companies that are not being nice. Uh, and uh, and if you're trying to challenge me on something, I'm not afraid to to speak out against you. But at the same time, um, you know, I think there could be a very healthy, all-inclusive industry where big business and smaller business works together, we value each other and what we do. Uh, we can make the dream team and and sort of take over this evolving industry. So for the next five years, it'll be a globally evolving evolving industry. More and more countries are kind of opening up to the concept of it and, and being willing to do that passing legislature that's pro at uh, new zealand recently almost got there but then they didn't quite they were off by like one or two percent <laughs> <laughs> i feel bad for my friends in new zealand but uh that's why they're moving to canada to come work with me a <laughs> <Fine. laughs>
0: <Fine. laughs> lot of opportunity all around for sure my man so yeah hot squash growers pot squash growers that's so fun yeah. to say pot squash <laughs>
1: I have fun with it too yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we kind of you know we built this community now right and I mean it's it's kind of become this cool thing where you know we all the pot squelters we all the pot squash growers. All me we all the grow your own booth um this is about a year and a half ago I had a really cool experience happen so all of a sudden there was one of my American viewers posting on one of my videos going hey who was at such and such elementary school the other day, picking up their kids. I drove around the block twice. And so this is a tiny town somewhere in the States. I can't remember the state off the top of my head, but they go, someone else had a pot squash grower sticker on their car. I thought I was the only one in town. So I've got these, you know, small American communities where people are making friendships now because they see the sticker, they see the hat, they see the shirt. They're like, Oh, I wear that too. And then they're kind of becoming sort of coming, coming together. And it's, I never for, I never would have guessed that it would have become this thing where it's this community, this movement, people are proud to be this and all different walks of life from the left to the right to the middle to any color to any orientation to any country and we're actually all getting along i mean like man there must be a way to equate this to actual global politics and society because right now on a microchasm we're all getting along just fine so you know maybe there's a way to kind of expand this out i don't right. know but um <laughs> it's pretty cool though
0: <laughs> it is really cool so to join your Pot squatch army potsquatch growers.com is that where everyone should go
1: uh well pot dot is right now our pretend store i've been running into issues with payment portals remember how at the beginning of the show you were mentioning how big business seems to kind of be anti-us so we keep being called the pot company we don't actually currently sell any flower, any genetics or pot directly we're a media brand we still have some t-shirts lighting tech cbd uh which is all legal where it's being done in the states and uh but you know, big banks have always given us an issue and and online payment portal companies. Um, I've been through nine in the last four months trying to find a payment portal for our website to work. Um, it's still right now more of a pretend store, but they can check out, uh, posquatch growers on YouTube is our main kind of initial media brand. That's where you stay up to date on stuff. We have a Facebook group called the posquatch growers community. Uh, as long as you treat people respectfully, uh, everyone's welcome. And, uh, and heck, you'll get to see some behind-the-scenes stuff of my silliness, uh being like, "Oh, this is what's happening? This is what we're doing?" You know, like for example, today, right now, I'm waiting to find out if they could remove their conditions on a property. I have my offer waiting to be given to the sellers if they can't remove conditions by six p.m. tonight. So, <laughs> Fun. I'm waiting to page breath.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, good luck with that, my man. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. the conversation today, brother. This has been amazingly insightful, and I'm sure all oh, of our yeah, listeners collaboratively will will see that too. Joshua, Fletcher, Marsh. Why, why the three names? The, that was my last question for you. Why, why all three?
1: <laughs> well, basically, when my parents were getting married back in the moons of yesteryear, uh, basically, my dad said to my mom is, if you want to take my name, that's fine. But I don't agree with you losing your name to take mine. So if you want my name, you've got to keep yours. And our kids have to have both names, too. Huh. Uh, so Fletcher is my mom's name and Marsh is my dad's name. It's not, it's
0: not hyphenated. It's just
1: uh, it, it's a, it is on some documents. Sometimes I gotcha. they put a space. Sometimes they put a hyphen. Um, it is quite the mouthful, especially if you include the middle name. Josh with David Fletcher Marsh. I mean, a <laughs> few but uh, you know, that's just me. And I mean, like when I became an actor, that's why I just went with Josh D Fletcher. A yeah. little bit easier. Uh, another business or it goes all go by Josh Marsh because it's simpler there. Um, I don't need to use the whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's very regal how I read it as Joshua Fletcher Marsh. I like that.
1: Not bad for a guy who comes from uh, 4,000 years of service
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, For sure. <laughs> Joshua, thanks again, my man. It was a pleasure having you on.
1: Back at you. Thank you for having me, my friend.
0: What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me. 312-535-8520 follow me on social media at mr rick jordan see you next episode
1: i am rick jordan and i approve this message